Hi, I'm Asha Tomlinson. And I'm David Common. And we're hosts of CBC Marketplace. We're award-winning investigative journalists that want to help you avoid clever scams, unsafe products, and sketchy services. Our TV show has been Canada's top investigative consumer watchdog for more than 50 years. But this is our first podcast. CBC Marketplace podcast is available now on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. Kids under five are the only age group that aren't eligible for a vaccine yet. Vaccine manufacturers are working on COVID vaccines for young kids, but parents and guardians have a lot of questions while they wait. So this week we're asking, what do we know about COVID-19 vaccines for kids five and under? Hi, Cora. Welcome to The Dose. Hello. Well, thanks for having me. So how much are you looking forward to a vaccine for this age group? Well, I'm a parent myself, and I have uh, two kids in the 5 to 11 age group, and those are vaccinated, but I do have a child under five, so I'm pretty excited about the potential of vaccine in this age group. And uh, I'm excited to uh, find out what you know about it, but before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and where you do it. Hi, my name is Cora Constantinescu. I'm a pediatrician and an infectious disease physician, and I work at the Alberta Children's Hospital. And I spend about half my time in hospital and clinic doing infectious disease and about half the time doing research and education on vaccine uptake for parents. So, Cora, what do we know about Pfizer's vaccine efficacy in kids under the age of five? Yeah, so all we know right now is what Pfizer has put out in the media on this. So we haven't actually seen the data. But what we know is that they did a study that had two dose, it was a two dose schedule, and they used three micrograms of the vaccine, and they gave it three weeks apart in kids six months to under five. And what they said is that the vaccine generated an immune response in the two to four-year-olds that was inferior to the response that they measured in those 16 to 25 year old. Whereas in the six month to the 24 month old, so the six months to two years, the vaccine response seemed to be in line with those 16 to 25 year olds. So they used that group to compare the, the antibody response. And based on that, they said, Hmm. We're worried that in the two, three, four-year-olds, the two-dose vaccine is not efficacious enough. They didn't give us any actual numbers, and we haven't actually seen the data yet. What should we take away right now from what Pfizer has released regarding this rather dramatic age difference in, in the response to the vaccine? Yeah, so... What seems to be consistent, and that's consistent with the 5 to the 11 age group as well, is that there are no safety concerns in this age group, in the under five. So that's really reassuring, that it's not a safety problem. The issue seems that the antibody response is not where they were hoping it would be after two doses. So very likely, either the kids may need a different dose or most likely they're going to have to do a three-dose 
primary series of this vaccine in those kids under five, especially those in the two to five age group. You mentioned the dose interval of three weeks uh, between the first and second doses. What role might that play? I'm thinking about the fact that in adults, for instance, uh, we're no longer uh, giving uh, Pfizer doses three weeks apart in general. From an immunological and vaccinology perspective, the three-week dose interval doesn't make a lot of sense. From a pandemic, and let's hurry and get this vaccine out and get as many people protected as possible as soon as we can, uh, it makes sense. But when you look at vaccines, typically we like to see that eight-week mark between doses, ideally sometimes four to eight weeks, because we know that's, again, not a safety issue, but that's just better immunologically. Your immune system just does better at responding with that increased interval. So, I suspect that in this age group, likely there are a number of factors contributing to why this isn't quite working. Um, One, it's possible that that 21 day, that three week interval is just not long enough for a response. So people know the three dose trials. So the one where they they're adding a third dose in that third dose is given at eight weeks. So they're giving it two months after the second dose. The second issue I suspect may also be dosage. It may be that the three microgram dose is just a bit too low um, for that age group. And there is actually a study where they're looking at that two to four year age group and doing the 10 microgram dose, which is the dose that we typically give to kids five to 11. And I also suspect it's just their immunological age. So across the ages um, in, in a person's life, the their immune system is at different stages. And when you look at this under five age group and non-live vaccines, most of our vaccine series tend to be three or four vaccines as a primary series. It just takes a bit longer to train the immune system to respond appropriately to this, to an antigen. And it's conceivable that that might also weigh in. So dose, interval, and likely just immunological age. Okay. What do we know so far about Moderna's vaccine in young kids, kids under the age of five? Yeah. So Moderna also has a vaccine um, and it's a different dosage than the Pfizer vaccine. And Whenever I've talked to to different experts on this, they say, well, it's not always easy to just compare these two vaccines and say it's necessarily a higher dose, but it sure has more mRNA in it. The um, Moderna vaccine is called KidCove, and they also have a very similar approach to age. So they had it in the teenagers, then they had the 5 to 11, and they also now have a, a KidCove preschool group where they're actually giving, um, using a similar breakdown. So the six months to two years, and then the, the two to four year age group. And um, they're also giving two doses. Their vaccine is 28 days apart versus the 21 days apart. And again, that's because that's how Moderna established its first trial in adults. It was a 28-day apart interval and should very soon have completed all the studies uh, at the different sites. And actually, Calgary was one of the sites they used. Um, Some of my colleagues were involved in this. So 
We don't have that data yet, but it's probably already collected and soon to be shared. So just, I mean, parents are hanging on your every word, and so am I. What do we know then about the number of doses, for instance, of the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine? I know some of this is crystal ball gazing and you and you want to wait for data, but do you have a sense? Are we going to end up with a three-dose regime for a certain age? Do you have any idea how that's going to play out? It is a bit of a crystal ball. I do think we're going to end up with a three-dose vaccine to begin with. Whether that will change, we'll, we'll see. But I think most likely in this age group, we're going to look at three doses. However, we still don't know whether that third dose is going to be enough to provide that antibody level that they're looking for. This is the last age group uh, to be approved for a vaccine. And I'm wondering what advantages are there to having the vaccine trials happen during Omicron? Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. You know, Omicron has shifted our perception of how severe disease this disease is in kids. You know, I think previously, I would say collectively as medical professionals, we made a number of mistakes to parents, speaking about how there was little, no transmission in schools earlier on in the pandemic, how mild this was in kids compared to adults, constantly comparing adult mortality to children's mortality, and then Omicron happened. And all of a sudden, we're seeing so many more kids in our emergency departments, more kids in a shorter period of time hospitalized than ever before. And depending on how significant the public health restrictions were, we saw more deaths, especially in jurisdictions that didn't have the same restrictions. So I think this might have, for sure, Omicron will has caused more infection in children. Now, whether a certain number of our children would have been already infected with Omicron and may have some kind of level of protection, and that might actually affect their response to the vaccine, uh, is going to be interesting in the real world. Most of the studies, however, at least for the first two doses, happened before Omicron. So that third dose, however, will happen during or after Omicron. So that might actually affect that. We know in adults and in adolescents that hybrid immunity, so if you've had vaccine or infection immunity and then had the vaccine or vaccine and then had infection is is pretty golden. <laughs> it's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. So we might actually see um, a better immune response in kids as well, especially if they've had Omicron. But again, going back to that crystal ball, we don't know. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless, host of Hunting Warhead from CBC Podcasts and the Norwegian newspaper VG. Hunting Warhead follows a global team of police and journalists as they attempt to dismantle a massive network of predators on the dark web. Winner of the grand prize for best investigative reporting at the New York festivals and recommended by The Guardian, Vulture, and The Globe and Mail, you can find Hunting Warhead on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm assuming that you're fielding a lot of questions about the safety of these vaccines. What do parents ask you about? Well, I would say that the most common questions we have of kids in this age group from parents is when it's going to become available. We've, from the beginning, we had this sense in terms of hospitalizations and outcome that the younger the kids seem to be, the the worse they seem to do with COVID, especially in that under two age group. So there are a number of parents who are already pretty worried about it. And what we've also seen is that, again, with Omicron, 
is that parents are shifting, realizing that this is not a short-term thing. This is now we're looking at long-term possible restrictions, long-term multiple waves coming. So this idea that even though my child is young, I could keep them at home and keep them safe doesn't seem to have the same power as it did early on in the pandemic. Now parents realize we want our kids to get an education. We want them to get socialized. We don't want them to get learning loss. And therefore, I think parents are starting to realize that to do that, we have to give kids the personal protection with a vaccine. So we have gotten quite a lot of questions about when is this going to be available. And as you pointed out, safety is always on parents' mind. They always want to know if this is safe for their kids. So that would also be probably, you know, in the, the top two questions is, is this going to be safe for my kid? So far, it seems from the different uh, press releases that safety-wise, it seems to be on par with the other age groups, which is very reassuring. Health Canada has yet to receive any submission for a vaccine in children under five years of age. But what is your understanding of where Pfizer is at in the approval process in the United States? Also, this process is a bit different, Brian, than before. Um, What's different about this particular uh, process right now is that the FDA, um, seeing the number of hospitalizations in kids with Omicron and the number of infections of Omicron in kids, um, have actually requested for a submission sooner before that third dose is even available. So their rationale is that there will be some parents out there who will just, you know, want to start protecting their kids with the first and second dose while waiting on that third dose efficacy data to come in. So it's definitely very different than before. Whether Health Canada would take a similar approach, I don't know. How hopeful are you then that we'll see a vaccine approved in Canada before summertime, say, in kids under the age of five? I think most of the data, including the Moderna data, would likely um, be submitted to Health Canada in you know, sometime in the spring. Um, so I, I think before summer is a very reasonable expectation um, for this vaccine in Canada as well. And definitely Health Canada has been incredibly responsive, very efficient in, and very thorough in their review of the data. So I think that's actually pretty hopeful. That's interesting because, you know, some observers thought Health Canada was a bit slow with the approval process in kids age 5 to 11. You know, we can, there are many ways to look at this, I think. Um, But at the end of the day, what we want is a trustworthy process whereby parents can say, okay, I trust this process. I trust this regulatory body. Um, You know, I trust public health, NACI, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization to make the recommendations. Trust goes a long way in, in vaccine uptake and intent. Um, So, uh, you know, when, when we, when we judge or critique these things, we have to, it's not just about speed, but about the whole process, I think. And, and so far, you know, here we are, we are, you know, we have 50% of our five to 11 kids have had a vaccine, they've had it safely. um, And, uh, and they're protected. So I think so far, things are going well from that perspective. We've been talking about the vaccines themselves, but I wanted to ask you how crucial it is to vaccinate preschoolers. 
You know, I'm going to go back to this, to what I said earlier, that I think this has been a difficult and confusing time for parents because of some early uh, mistakes that were made in our messaging around how significant a disease this is in kids. And then Omicron happened and Omicron showed us that our kids are a significant target for this disease, that this disease is not benign in children. And I would say it's the most significant vaccine preventable threat to our kids right now. And when we look at children's health, we cannot wait for thousands of kids every day to die um, or for the healthcare system to be overwhelmed. These are not appropriate metrics when it comes to children's health. We have a pretty high threshold for, you know, pretty high standards for children's well-being and health. And if we can prevent hospitalizations, that's a big deal in a child. An ICU stay, multi-system inflammation, um, and then also if we can prevent all the long-term effects of this pandemic on our children and their learning and development, especially these really young kids who've already given two years of their lives to a different pandemic life, then we should do it because there's a lot to protect there. I wanted to ask you a question about the larger picture. What role does this age group, the under five-year-olds, play in in perpetuating COVID and and in by vaccinating them, helping us get past the current wave of COVID? You know, Brian, I'm a I'm a pediatrician and a parent, so I'm very child focused, and the way I approach this age group is not how what their role is in this pandemic but what we can do to protect them and i think you know with this pandemic there has been a a deprioritization of children's health and you know you could argue is rightfully so because this has so so disproportionately affected adults in such a in such a significant way um but as a as a pediatrician I need to advocate for kids and for this age group and say that when we roll out a vaccine and when we think of this age group in the pandemic, we should just think about them and protecting them. And that's also where parents come from when they make the decision to vaccinate their child. So I would say I'm not so worried about what this means to the to the greater world and to the pandemic, but what we can do to protect this age group is how I would approach it. So given what you've just said, uh, I'm aware that you've been part of vaccine hesitancy clinics and trying to give the best information on vaccines. How will you tailor your messaging for parents of kids in this age group? No, that's a really um, interesting question. And I've been thinking about that a lot. And when we think of vaccine hesitancy, there are a few things that we need to consider. And I think we have to learn from how we've done things in the 5 to 11 age group, which is still only about half those kids are protected with the exception of a few provinces. So I remind myself a lot of Maya Angelou saying, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, you do better. <laughs> I think here's our chance to do better. Um, when it comes to this vaccine and messaging. The first one is we need to just focus on personal protection for kids. 
So it's important when we talk about the vaccine to just talk about how this vaccine is going to protect that child versus how it's going to protect the family, the school, the society, and so on. The second issue around this is that when this vaccine is going to be available, we're unlikely to be in the next variant wave. So that immediate threat of disease won't be there. So we need to shift our conversation and our focus with parents to think about long-term health outcomes of this pandemic. And the power that comes from having a protected child in terms of that child able to continue education, activities, and socialization. And then the last, but I would say most important thing that we can do better is access. When you think of how well adult and teenage vaccine access was done, um, when you think of it was available in schools for teenagers, pop-up clinics, community clinics, pharmacies, we need to bring that same easy access to the younger age vaccines because access becomes an equity issue. And also, when we have this easily available for parents, then the message to the parent is that we fully endorse and we recommend this. So it helps validate the decision to vaccinate um, for parents, and then in turn, they can become vaccine champions to others. We need to make this vaccine as the norm and say this is part of the routine immunization schedule of our children, just like it is, you know, when we talk about meningococcal disease or whooping cough or measles. This vaccine is important to prevent severe outcomes from a disease that's a significant threat short term and then long term to our kids. Dr. Cora Constantinescu, thank you so much for answering my questions and hopefully allaying the concerns of uh, some parents. Thank you for having me. That's Dr. Cora Constantinescu, a pediatrician and infectious diseases physician at Alberta Children's Hospital in Calgary. Here's your dose of smart advice. Following a request from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, Pfizer-BioNTech has begun the process to allow emergency use authorization of its COVID vaccine in children less than five years of age. It's possible that kids under five will start receiving the vaccine in the U.S. as early as March. Moderna has yet to seek approval for its vaccine, but that could happen soon. So far, Pfizer has not released its data for peer review. That won't happen until the company submits data to the FDA's Vaccine Advisory Committee later this month. What we know so far is that a study of a two-dose Pfizer vaccine produced a less than adequate antibody response in kids ages 2 to 4. The response in kids ages 6 months to 2 years was adequate. Pfizer is currently testing a three-dose vaccine. Moderna is testing a two-dose regime. Results in older children show these vaccines appear to be safe. There are no concerns about safety in younger kids thus far. Emergency authorization by Health Canada likely won't occur until later this year. The best approach to addressing the concerns of parents, guardians, and the public about the risks and benefits of COVID vaccines in young kids is to focus on what's best for individual children, not society. Vaccinating younger kids is the best way to prevent hospitalization in that age group. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions you'd like answered, tweet me at NightShiftMD, at CBC Podcasts, or at CBC White Coat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. Our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you like this episode, please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Stephanie Dubois. Technical support was by Lauda Antonelli. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.